Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. This is Ethan Huffman speaking. Today I'm joined by Elkin Beltry. Now, Elkin, we are a few days after the draft. We've had some time to digest the picks, to see how we feel, see if we're still angry, see if we're still happy. And you know what? We're going to go through some some picks we like and some picks we question today. I like that. Yeah, we're going to try and lean away from the losers and winners and all that kind of stuff because, frankly, we don't know. So, I, I, there's probably someone some somewhere that thought the, the Pacers were incredible winners for finagling George Hill out of the Spurs one day for a uh, non-shooting threat um, from the th- three, Kawhi Leonard. And boy, would oh. they have been wrong. I can tell you without a doubt that there was because the articles afterward were the Pacers got the point guard that they needed, former the Spurs player. So that's why you're right. We can't say winners and losers because with this draft, it's a crapshoot sometimes. You never know how the player is going to be until four or five years down the line. That's right. And I don't think that article is necessarily wrong because I, I like Giorgio. Giorgio is a very solid point guard for several years. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you are when you compare it to what, you know, Kawhi Leonard turns into or, and then yeah. – Translate that to any one of these picks today, what they turn into. It's hard to say that they are winners and losers. But let's start with what we liked, Elkin. And I think the first team, and you know, if you if this team was a loser or a, a not person, we a question a picks we question, it would be trouble because it's the New Orleans Pelicans who drafted Zion Williamson, Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and Brazil guy, as I'm going to call him, because I don't know anything about him, so we're not going to talk about him and disparage or pump up his name, because I don't know. With with drafting Zion, franchise changer, Elkin, we were pre-pod, we were talking how many players in the league would you trade, like would you not trade for Zion Williamson with? Yeah. And we got to about 11, and I think all those were fair. But this guy, yeah. he's, he's going to come in the league, day one starter. He's going to be special. Yeah, I can kind of tell with some players, they have the tools, I mean – some argue this has been almost one of the most surefire picks besides talking about Anthony Davis, probably the last one who the Pelicans also won as well, Hornets at the time. And then probably you're talking about LeBron James before then. Because some people bring up Kevin Durant, but I remember a lot of people were like, you have to go with Greg Oden number one during that 07 draft. Every, like if you have the number one pick, you go Greg Oden and Kevin Durant was at number two. But when you have a player like that, it's one of those – you knew it's franchise chasing and you and I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners watched the draft lottery or even looked it up. New Orleans reaction tells you all you need to know about winning that lottery. Yeah. It was, it's such a, like even with the Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram picks, like there were still enough people in the media. that were like, I like Brandon Ingram more than Ben Simmons. And mm-hmm. like, I, I don't remember like like unanimously this is the this is the guy since Zion, or since um Anthony Davis and then going back like there, there's other guys who yeah he's number one but like there's there was there's definitely some people who'd question no no one in their right mind would say anyone other than Zion Williamson should have been the number one pick yeah and that's how that's the same reason I felt and I think what well, one of the things we should also bring up is not just the picks I mean the people that got their picks but we got to get props to David Griffin. I think he had one of the best best drafts you can have as a GM. I mean, you and I both agreed on that beforehand. Richard even brought up that they're probably going to trade that number four pick, and they did. Yeah, and they got more picks for themselves. Like they played it smart. Yeah, we in our mock draft we got the compensation a little wrong. We had it four for eight and ten. It ended up being four uh, for eight seventeen. And I'm not sure. But it might have been that 
early pick in the second round too. I'm a little fuzzy on it, and I don't have all the stuff in terms of the trades that went down right in front of me. But mm-hmm. they end up getting um, Athletic Center Jackson Hayes out of Texas and Nikhil Alexander Walker, the versatile, versatile like I'd say, I'd say should be a straight two, but some would say combo guard out of Virginia Tech. Who I like, I do like him definitely as a guard for them. Yeah, and and. I'm sure you would have liked him falling one more pick and potentially being paired with Victor Oladipo and yes. and Aaron Holiday or whoever else. But yeah. like I, you think about him being paired with a different Holiday being Drew, mm-hmm. and you think that's going to be a pretty solid defensive backcourt. Um, Jackson Hayes is going to be a really, I think he's going to he's going to take some growing into his roles, but he's a I think he'll be, eventually be a good finishing big, maybe like you know eighty percent in Clint Capella, which you know based on some of my comments for Clint Capello, that might seem low, but like that's, that'd still be a really high, like that's a good outcome for a, a player in the NBA. Um, I do, I do think the Pelicans, you know, they got guys who are going to be in the rotation next year. And when you get three guys who should be rotation players, that's huge. Yeah. And that's smart for them. And of course they got rid of Solomon Hill's contract and oh, that's another plus. And I don't know how much cash space they have going into, but I think this draft was probably turning Anthony Davis into all of this is probably the best way and just kind of getting to that draft and getting what you got from here. I think this is probably one of their better scenarios coming out of the draft. You drafted, obviously, your superstar, potential superstar. You got someone who can help be a rim protector, someone who can bring death to the backcourt. I think this is why we said we like this draft for them. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to see how we would feel about the Pelicans draft if, let's say, their lottery pick ended up where it was supposed to be number eleven, and mm-hmm. they, let's say the Lakers trade still goes through, so they get four and eleven. Yeah, like is like how much different would we look at this draft if they ended up with, you know, let's just say they don't trade that fourth pick because they're like, all right, we're we're in super rebuilding mode versus Zion Williamson makes you feel like you're close close already. Like, do they end up going Darius Garland and I don't know some like maybe a different guard, maybe Drew Holiday's even more so on the on the market. They're trying to get rid of him. There could be this, this team could be inc- so much different than than they would be if than Zion Williamson joining your team. And so I, I want I want that to be in the minds of people when you're thinking about how mm-hmm. good David Griffin's doing. Is you know what he got handed got handed a great gift in terms of I get to choose Zion Williamson because keep in mind if I'm not if I'm not mistaken Dave Griffin once chose Anthony Bennett but I could be wrong maybe that was the, the last pick of the, the GM before but regardless it's like you know draft picks number one picks are not always what, what they seem Zion Williamson Pelicans got lucky there yeah I like that, and I only got nothing else to say about the Pelicans. No, nor do I. So let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks, the um, the mm-hmm. partner of that uh, four for eight and seventeen swap, and the Hawks drafted DeAndre Hunter. I thought he'd be a little bit maybe available further back, but they they must have intel, or this is the guy they wanted. We talked about that as the important part of the trade. Is it doesn't mm-hmm. matter where people's value is if you want a specific wing, you go get him. And they yep. ended up drafting DeAndre Hunter at four, Cam Reddish at 10. And then um, a pick I was really excited for the Sixers when I thought it was staying with the Sixers, Bruno Fernando as a backup center to uh, be there for when Joel Embiid goes out. But he he ended up being um, – that pick was traded to the Hawks. It's one of those times where I got confused with where the broadcast was versus the uh, the trades on the, on the Twitter machine. 
Yeah. Bruno Fernando is going to be in there as a, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of, I think, similar to Jackson Hayes, but he's a little bit behind on development in terms of how much basketball he's played. But, yeah, I think it's a good another good pick because the, the Hawks will need center depth, especially if, like, a Dwayne Dedman um, looks for greener pastures elsewhere, which would be fair for him because he's played at, you know, a probably below market rate for his output the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and definitely for the Hawks, you got wing players that you needed. If you have a guy who has defensive upside and you got another guy who has offensive upside, and I think with DeAndre Hunter, you're probably going to get a guy who – I think he's not going to be like the all-star caliber player, but you're going to have a solid rotation guy. He's a guy that you can put on like top seven and you know, you can count on him where Cam Reddish, I'm still, I'm still kind of just looking at, for me, he has a high, he has a high ceiling, but where's it going to, where's that ceiling going to be? Which I was trying to think of comparisons for some of these guys because eat them of your real with you. Chauncey Billups player comparison Bad. was killing me at times. It was killing me at times, but I like them getting Cam Reddish as well, and I, that's one of the things that I felt the Hawks needed was some more wing depth. I know they they did bring in – I mean, Alan Crabby's more of a two-guard, but they lost Torian Prince, one of their main wings. So I'm excited for the Hawks' future, and this is a young team, and I think if you get some veterans in there, you're going to start getting a little pesky. Well, see, and we're talking about potential with this team and, mm-hmm. and Cam Reddish specifically. Cam Reddish was the best shooter on his college team. Mm-hmm. This this is a fact. That's a problem when you're trying to develop a guy who needs a little bit of spacing to work. I thought mm-hmm. Cam Reddish's best attributes was when he took the ball into his own hands and got some separation off the dribble and like then retreated to the three point line. That's how I when I felt best about his game. Otherwise, he was just catching and shooting under catching and shooting under duress, which is something that most college kids should not have to deal with. Yeah. And, if when we're looking at this team and where he's going to be, he's going to be playing with Trey Young, a great floor spacer. Kevin Herter, another great floor spacer. DeAndre Hunter like, has shown the ability to shoot threes in college. He should be another floor spacer. And John Collins stretched his range out to the corner three last last season. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at Cam Reddish, and I know he got a lot of like Paul George comps early in the process, like like early freshman year at Duke, and. In terms of body types, I see that a lot. Like he, he's kind of lanky, doesn't move with like this incredible amount of fluidity. But like he, he's it's like slow and paced, and it it feels it's smooth, but it's like you know it's not super quick. And so I like that comparison in terms of play style. His upside, yeah. I don't see it all the way there because Paul George has a much, you know, I think he has a, found a, a much more fluid way to his jump shot than Cam Reddish does. But that's not to say he can't because. Who was the 10th pick in the draft? Paul George. Who was the 10th pick in the draft? Also Cam Reddish. Like, in terms of value of picks, Paul George was not, you know, a top three pick. He was not, you know, hyped to be this great scorer, and he's turned into that. So let's keep that in mind when we're we're looking at Cam Reddish and what he can develop into. Yeah, and that's – I know I'm definitely keeping that in mind. But I think just overall what they're getting, where they land in the draft and where they got with the trade, I'm happy that the Hawks are – they're putting the right pieces for me around Trey Young. If you believe in Trey Young the way that you do, these are the type of pieces you want to put around him. Yeah. They believe in Trey Young more than I do, but I mean, I, I understand why, why they believe in Trey Young. I just, I can't get on with that uh, dirty lollipop hair he's got going on. Wow. Dirty lollipop. I think that's time to go on to the Grizzlies then. Well, the Grizzlies, I might, this might be the team I'm most excited for. Mm-hmm. Um, to watch next season to see how their young players um, work together. 
Um, we had Brandon Clark go into the Pelicans in our mock draft, which I thought was fun. Thought was mm-hmm. good. But I like this so much more because this now has Brandon Clark playing with Jaron Jackson Jr. And then mm-hmm. John Morant setting the table. Elgin, I am stoked for the amount of athleticism that those three individuals possess. And then the shooting ability that's already proven of Jaron Jackson Jr. And what should translate from John Morant, Brandon Clark being able to be the athletic roamer, find the dunker spot, go up her alley-oops. Oh, it's could be it's gonna be so much fun to watch, even if this team overall stinks. Yeah, I was I mean, number two pick and kind of I think we always say the term is you kind of fall into picking a player and like number two, everyone knew like you get John Morant at that point. But the Brandon the Brandon Clark pick, I thought this is what they need at this point. When you have a young team developing, why not get a guy like Brandon Clark who can provide not just solid minutes, but provide more depth at the front court and I'm excited to see what pick and rolls look like. I mean, when you have guys who can pick and pop like Jaron Jackson, then Brandon Clark can just dive to the hoop. That's what I'm really excited about. And then, of course, how explosive John Morant is. And I think we all kind of knew that. I mean, they're going in a new direction with that trade of Mike Conley. They're they're saying, hey, it's time to go to a different direction. And I'm excited for the Greases, and I want to see this team thrive as well. There's a team that I definitely want to see thrive. Yeah, I think it's always good to have a team that – you know, a lot of people aren't really sold on find success. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's been the Grizzlies their entire existence is that no one's ever sold on them. And not for unfair reasons. It's, you know, they're, they're kind of a, you know, a weird team. They've always played with a, a different style or they've been almost irrelevant, but we're looking at this team and how their roster is going to shape out. If I'm, if not, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken. Deal on rides, restricted free agent, but with his mm-hmm. extra size, he, wouldn't be a bad idea at a two guard for John Moran to play next to like Avery Bradley. Um, I believe he had a, a small guarantee, but if, if cap space isn't working out for you, maybe you still keep him around just to be, you know, another good defender on that team. Cause also we're talking about Morant, Bradley and uh, Clark and Jaron Jackson jr. Those are, you know, three real solid defenders for your starting lineup. Um, if you yeah. go that direction, Kyle Anderson, I think you put him in the three big rotation with Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think that's really attractive. Uh, keep in mind, they will still have one more year of Jonas Valanciunas, who, mm-hmm. when you expand that to a four big rotation, that's a lot of diversity. You got a post score, you got a, a pick and pop, pick and roll guy in Jaron Jackson. You got a, who should be a great roller and, and on Brandon Clark. And then a guy who can create for himself a little bit and create for others in Kyle Anderson if he mm-hmm. plays a little bit better this season. Dylan Brooks at the small four. Like I, I, I like how this team's coming together. I think, you know, they are they are probably a, another bad, you know, like lottery season away. We'll, we'll see if that picks top eight and they get to keep it. But I think they could be one more losing season away, get another impact player, and they could be pushing up for eight seeds again. I, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm high enough on Jaron Jackson Jr.'s floor for like what his what he will bring on the defensive end that if you surround him with enough other shooting talent and you know playmaking talent, which I think Morant will possess, this team will will work out in, in a reasonably quick fashion. Yeah. I mean, who's their pick? Uh, who was the trade with for that pick? That will be going to the Celtics if it's not top eight next year. Oh, okay. And it's unprotected to the Celtics the year following. Hmm. So if it's not top eight, it goes to the Celtics. Either they need to tank or just be real. 
yeah, they probably just need to go and drop one more season. You're right, because there's no way they can do that good to make the pick almost worthless. Yeah, I mean, because, like, I mean, if you get, like I say, if you push for the AC this year and you gave a 14th pick, okay, that, that makes it unlikely that your next, uh, the year that would have been unprotected is going to be any better than what you could do if you stay in the top eight. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, may, it would make a lot of sense for them to not push to be a lot, all that much better this year just to keep their pick around and then to flip the switch uh, when that thing's unprotected. But yeah. that's that's a lot of – like that's being kind of crass to the human side of this equation. And obviously you have these young players. You let them play and you let them decide how good they're going to be. And if they overperform, they overperform. That's cool. That's a good thing if your young players play well. So, But I, I'm really excited for those three players, I think. And Brandon Clark, I know – um, out of the Heat's workouts that he was looking like he could shoot the ball a little bit too. Like that's something he's worked on a lot. And so if he can be a bit of a stretch stretch for two, this could be scary for the for how good the Grizzlies could be in terms of the future. We'll see. Everyone can shoot really good in the workouts. Oh, I, remember I, I, Mo Bamba's true. infamous like, oh, here comes Mo Bamba, stretch big, shooting threes. True. And, and my rose-colored glasses for a guy I like in Brandon Clark is making me enjoy that versus my skepticism I held from Obama would make me feel the other way. So you're exactly right. Good point, Elkin Beltry. All right, moving on to the Cavaliers. I think this is where we kind of wouldn't completely say we agree completely on what we like. I would say, so Cavaliers got Darius Garland, Dylan Windler. Is it Windler or Windler? Windler, I think. Windler, right, and Kevin Porter Jr. Mm. I'm more – I like those last two picks compared to the first, Ethan. And you're going to have to help convince me. I'm just worried about putting such a small guard there. We already have a smaller guard in my mind, such as Colin Sexton. He's he's wider, but he's smaller. So I have these worries. I'm not that high on liking that pick. Why should I like it? Well, I think you got to not look at it so mm-hmm. binarily. Like, oh it's, oh, it's with – is it with Colin Sexton or without Colin Sexton? I don't think that is important because I think Derek Scarland – if he stays healthy, which is there's going to be questions because he's already had a health health scare in college, I think he's going to assert himself as the dominant guard on that team quickly. And Colin Sexton is going to be less less appealing. It's not about Garland; it's about Sexton. So, like, I would I would you know put pause for the cause into worrying about Garland because right. I think he's going to play well enough that it's going to be that now you're worried about Sexton. Who, keep in mind, I was the, the Sexton defender last year. I was the guy who said, I think he's going to be able to shoot. And I believe he shot 38% from three. Maybe it was 36. I'm going to try and pull that up. But the I know, point is, I was I high 30s. Yeah, I was a Colin Sexton defender. Um, you know, so I, I, this is this is not a, a a script flip for me. This is, looks like he shot, he shot 40% from three. Wow. Was not ready for that. Did not think it was that good. All right, now I'm I'm changing. I'm just kidding. I'm not changing my opinion. Um, at the end of the day, I think Darius Garland. He shows the amount of shake and bake with the ball in his hands. I think he's going to be able to get by almost any primary defender, especially when you start throwing in screens and stuff like that at him. And when we break down the rest of this, these picks, I look at Kevin Porter Jr. as a versatile. I think a super athletic, going to be a versatile two guard. I look at him in like a J.R. Smith mold, but I ho- I'm hoping he you know finds his his footing sooner than Smith does. And Dylan Windler, he's going to be a catch-and-shoot three. He's going to be really good. He's going to come off some screens. He's going to shoot well. I look at this team, like this draft, as your one, two, three of the future. And right. I think, unfortunately for Sexton, he's going to be the um, the casualty of this because I, as much as he, you know, he, he overperformed and how well he was at getting his own offense last year, 
he really I don't feel like he set the table very much at all for his teammates. And I think Garland is going to it, – it's not on a big sample size, but I believe in his vision. I believe in his passing ability more so than Colin Sexton, which might be unfounded, but it's how I feel. Okay. And I, for me, though, I really did like the Kevin Porter Jr. I know Kevin Porter Jr., there were some character issues, some concerns about him. And he fell more than some people expected, yeah. or a lot of people expected. He was expected like, to potential lottery. Yeah, but I like that pick for them with the amount of talent that he has. That's a guy that I'm just like, that's why I like the Dylan Windler and Kevin Porter because Dylan Windler, solid shooter. He's like 6'8. You got to, I like shooters. I like guys who are not just like 6'4 shooters, but guys who are like 6'6, 6'8 shooters because you got the size to shoot over people. But for me, I'm gonna wait to see before I say I like it. I mean, I mean, obviously we can all wait a few years and then decide. That's not fair. That's hindsight's 2020 at that point. But you're right about the distribution part. That Darius Garland probably gonna be a guy better at setting up everyone else is what they need. And I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I I just think he has the he has the three levels of scoring part down more so than Colin Sexton. And okay. when you are, when you come in the league a little bit better at that, and you're picking spots at all, mm-hmm. all all levels of the court, I I think it lends yourself to being a better facilitator because you're already comfortable getting to all spots on the floor. You know, there's a lot of guards who don't have com- don't have a lot of comfort in the mid range. They you know because they don't shoot from there at all, so it's sometimes difficult to find that passing lane when you don't have a you're not a threat to shoot there, and. Darius Garland, I, I feel like you know he's he's got that I'm I'm a bucket mentality. He's going to find spots to score, and when the defense starts collapsing to these these little pet spots to score from, I think he's more he's he's got a better grasp to to facilitate from all those areas as well. Yeah, that's fair. I do want to mention with Dylan Windler, I had him going to the Blazers at 25, and he went one pick later. Because a guy we don't have on here right now, but a great pick in my opinion was the Blazers getting Nasir Little, who slipped and fell all the way to 25. And he's a guy who I looked at as someone who will walk in the league and be a good athlete. I do think coaching is going to be important because if if, if it's struggling for Roy Williams, which Roy Williams trying to win a national championship with guys like Cam Johnson and um, can't remember the other uh, Luke May as your other front court guys who could help carry a team. Like I don't blame him for rolling with the older guys. Yeah. But I I think Nasir Lil is going to walk in the league and basically be, be as good as Mo Harkless. And with that in mind, that's huge for the Blazers who Mo Harkless is a very important player for this team, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like in terms of like how important he is. So, if you can draft one of those guys at 25, pretty good. Yeah. Now, I think that's going through who we like, what draft, what teams had drafts that we like. Now, let's flip it over. Not drafts that we wouldn't say we dislike, but more than that we're questioning, I think, the reasoning behind it and why. Ended up first team, we got the Wizards with Rui Hachimura and Amaral Schofield. Man, two names, though. They got, as far as names, they got great drafts as far as names. But Rui Hachimura, was this ninth pick for the Wizards? Was it the ninth pick of the first round? Yep. Even at the time when I saw his name called, I said, because I all the mock drafts I seen, I kind of had him placed between like, like t- around twenty. A lot of people maybe even said like fifteen through twenty if you're looking at like the high. So, why do you think the Wizards even went for this guy? 
Well, I think it's a lot to do with their disarray front office right now. They don't. I don't think they have a lot of vision. And while I think Rui could be a top ten player from this draft, I think it's possible because I think he does have a knack for getting a bucket. Although he is a bit of a black hole, which does not translate well from college to the NBA because the NBA defenders are so much better at helping. They're so much better at playing one-on-one defense. Like it's it's a lot harder to score one-on-one in the NBA than it is in college. True. And but. Really was a storyline from day one in the in the uh, in this this college basketball season. He beat he helped beat Duke, which was huge. Didn't know didn't no one saw that coming. And with that in mind, with Rui Hachimura, I I think this was a um, a name pick and a a upside an upside. Like it's again we question it, so it's hard to explain it. But I. I look at Rui, and I think I, I see a lot of what Jabari Parker turned into in this league, mm-hmm. and that's a fine player on offense. But the defense was always a problem. This yeah. kid's younger; he probably doesn't have the entitlement, maybe some defensive entitlement issues that Jabari Parker showed when he said, "I don't get paid to play defense." Goodness. <laughs> so, I, I like Rui. I think he's going to work out and be an okay player. Um, at nine, though, like if this is the guy you wanted. I think there was some value in trading back. The Celtics were really adamant about trading up for four. I don't know if the guy they were looking at was Cam Reddish. If it was, you could have traded that. You could have traded that nine pick. He still was available. I, I'd like to know what calls were coming into the Wizards and what flexibility they might have had with that pick, because yeah. it, it would have been interesting to see if they do things differently. Um, if they had a real front office in place. Yeah, because doesn't it feel like they probably could have moved back and still gotten their guy? Cause, and even then I look at who got picked after him. You look at the list of players, and you, there's probably more than a handful of players that you would want instead of Hachimura. Like like you said, he's a solid player, but if I'm drafting, there's other guys after him. I'm just like, well, these guys yeah. might be more to what I'm doing. But think about what the what were the Spurs two picks were. They were nineteen and twenty nine. Like yeah. if the Spurs really wanted to, to make, potentially jumpstart it, they think Cam Reddish could be like I'm not saying Kawhi Leonard, but could be a Kawhi Leonard like and come in there and be an impact rookie from day one, on the one end of the floor or the other. Yeah. They could have been a trade partner. Like I don't want to say it was like a lazy pick, but I feel like that's what it was. Yeah. Like who was the biggest name in college left on the board, and that would have been Rui Hachimura. And, that's, and where I they, think, that's where they went. And like you said, it all goes back to we're now looking at they don't really have any front office guidance. They fired their GM. And to my knowledge, they still haven't hired anyone. The most we heard is that they want to lure away Masai Jiri from Toronto, but that's it. But they don't have any GM. And I'm still, I want to know who was making decisions. And you're kind of right. It might have been someone who's just like, I'm sure they have a great scouting team or a scouting team. I want to say great. But someone who's just like, I like this pick. Or the owner maybe step in and is like, hey, I remember watching that guy. Let's get him. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, Admiral Schofield made the list too in terms of uh, he got yeah. picked as well. And he's another guy that I don't think anyone is dogging this pick because it's, you know, second round. It's not the, mm-hmm. it's not early, super early second round. But Admiral Schofield had, had, had questions of his own about how effective he's going to be at this next level as an undersized three. I mean, he might be a super undersized four at the next level. It's hard to say because, like, he definitely played more of a face-up big uh, type of style 
at Tennessee. Yeah. Um, but he, he's he's a really good athlete. He's thick. But again, like if we're looking at the the trend of these of these picks, Admiral Schofield was another name from college. He was a guy who performed on a big stage for Tennessee, a team that got ranked number one in in the in the country at one point. And if we're talking about taking risk, Admiral Schofield would be that. You could probably find someone who looks a little bit more of a sure thing at this mm-hmm. stage, but you know, it's another name. And that's the things I question is not that these guys aren't going to be good players. It's that I'm not sure they make sense for this team, but eh, maybe I'm wrong. Eh. I don't know. And like, let's go ahead and move on to the next team though. The Suns. I think this wasn't just like the draft as a whole that we questioned, but just even their moves leading up to the draft, but the Suns, Made some, uh, as we know about, a trade with the Pacers, trading away the 32nd pick and T.J. Warren for cast considerations. And then they traded the number six pick. Was that what? Yeah, number six pick for the 11th pick and Dario Sarge. And then they did one more trade with the Celtics, I believe, in which they got Aaron Baines and the was that 24th pick. Yeah. Pick so then we have their picks ended up being we got Cameron Johnson and Ty Jerome. Now, Ethan, already I'm going to question this pick, Cameron Johnson, because I feel like it might have been the biggest reach of the draft. Like, I know there's a lot of reaches, but this pick might have been the biggest reach. And as we were talking about before we start recording, when you have a guy who's already older than your best player on the team, and you drafted him so high, I'll be a little bit concerned. Yeah, so I think Cam Johnson, like, the threat of him going, the earliest threat I thought of him going would have been 15 to the Pistons because the Pistons are a team in desperate need of shooting. Yeah. They they don't need like the they, they got a project in Sekudumbuya, but like in terms of if they wanted to turn their season around, they want to turn their franchise around and keep it moving in the right direction. Gambles were not what the Pistons should be looking for in in maybe a technical sense. So you could see them being a threat to take Cam Johnson early. But that's at 15. I don't think that I think the next team that would have thought about it would have been what ended up being the Sixers at, at pick 20 when they traded up a little bit and got Matisse Thibel. Yeah. So like I'm I'm just failing to see where the demand was. And then you know the, the Oklahoma City traded back a little bit and, and with the Grizzlies, they would have been the next Cub team, 25 with the Blazers. You know, and then we're getting to 24, which the Suns <laughs> traded for again, where they might have been able to get him there. I'm not saying because yeah. I, I don't know what the inside circles are. And who is in desperate need of shooting? Who wants? Who had just an eye for this guy? But obviously, the guy, the coach, former coach of Maris, Jeff Bauer, had a had an eye for Cam Johnson when he was recruiting in college, mm-hmm. and now he's um, he's got him in the NBA. That was kind of the cute story of it all. But I yeah, remember here a reach, no doubt. It felt like a reach. It felt like this one for other GMs, all the Suns, kind of faking interest in Cam Johnson, intriguing the Suns into picking him where no one even had that much interest. Like that's just because the Ty Jerome pick I actually do. I don't mind it for them. I don't mind the Ty Jerome pick. Yeah. I think for everything that Ty Jerome lacks in like the athleticism stuff, he, he makes up for in size and shooting abilities. Yeah. So like if he's a step behind, it's not the worst thing. Cause he's six, six with a, you know, fine. He's like not an undersized wingspan. He's, he's just an, a six, six guy. And yeah. if you're pairing him with Devin Booker, who you want to be your, your primary creator, a la James Harden is is like the dream, I believe. Uh, Ty Jerome makes a lot of sense as you know, like 
a knockoff Patrick Beverly, a guy who can shoot and who can, you know, drip, catch and drive. Like, we're, and we're talking about Patrick Beverly, who's six two and makes a big difference. Like, if Ty Jerome is that much bigger, a little bit less less athletic, I think it's a it's not an unfair comparison, and he you know could make a couple plays off the dribble. I think that is what you should expect out of Ty Jerome is Patrick Beverly without some of the antics, and that yeah. seems like a good pairing for a Devin Booker. Without the antics and without the defense, I mean, I'm gonna put it out. Hey, hold on. I I think Ty Jerome's gonna be a good defender. I don't think he's gonna be bad. Obviously, he's not gonna be as good as Patrick. Well, and you know, I'm not gonna bemoan the name of Patrick Beverly, but I think a lot of Patrick Beverly's defense is his antics. Like it, it comes down to he annoys people just by poking them. Like I think. I think when Kyrie gets an ISO on Patrick Beverly, it doesn't matter if it's Patrick Beverly or Ty Jerome, Kyrie's going to get past those guys. Yeah. So, like, you know, if we're talking about who can guard the best player on the court, nobody. There's no stoppers for those kinds of players. But Ty Jerome, I think, will be getting in the way almost as frequently as Patrick Beverly. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. I see the next name on this list here. Yeah, uh, okay. and I, feel, I, I feel you sign already. It's the Pacers drafting Goga Badatse. And I'm not sure if I said that right. I'll wait till an, an NBA guy says it and then I'll I'll know it for sure. But Elkin, um he might have been the best player available in the draft at this pick. Yeah. Hard to say. But he is not the position type I think anyone in Pacer land was wanting. Yeah, I mean, okay, I would understand if maybe we had like one solid big guy and then we'd never have a solid backup or someone else to pair him with. I will get it. I will get this pick. I got it. When you have two guys who both you and I believe, I mean, we both liked Sabonis for a while, even though he has no right hand. Both you and I love him. And Miles Turner, we were kind of questionable, but I felt like Miles Turner got better as the season progressed and he stepped it up. I I think you're set in that front court. And in Pacerland, here's what the thinking was, that as far as size, you're set, that maybe bring a guy who can play more of a smaller ball, a small ball lineup for or big for you, kind of a guy that you can do that with. But Goga, and then, of course, now the the reports coming out is that the Pacers are probably going to, there's a chance he's going to be stashing over there in Europe for at least a couple more years. And then, of course, the last worry is, are we now going to be in this offseason? Are we looking to trade either some bonus or Turner? And these are kind of the thought process that's gone through. But the GM went out and said, when a player of this talent just can't pass up. But I think what worries me, Ethan, it makes me question this, is when he wants to go against conventional wisdom and say we have to keep getting bigger instead of smaller because bigger has worked. I mean, he probably saw a few a few clips of Marcus Saw and Serge Ibaka working together but maybe didn't realize how many minutes those guys actually played together and saw that a lot of the thriving from the Raptors happened when you had Serge Ibaka at the five instead of putting him both or just Marcus Hall at the five, but I'm done. I can keep repeating myself over and over again. Yeah, and I, I, I hear your frustration. You know, Goga is, you know, he's he's almost 20. So, yeah. like, it's it, it's not like if he, if he were to go play in Europe for two more years, be like he's coming out as a, as a college senior. So, you know, a college senior at pick 18, especially if you delay the, the pain of that college player a couple of years, that's not so bad, theoretically. Um, if if it's even one year, that gives you a little bit more clarity on what you want to do with Sabonis or Turner. And that, um, that's when I saw kind of that two-year thing maybe being some hope where it's like, 
if it's two years and at least by then you know what you need to do moving forward. Because moving forward, I love both of them, but I just can't see the Pacers really getting the best out of both of them together. Yeah, and I think the unfortunate thing is if it's not Sabonis that the Pacers want to roll with, I don't know how Goga and, and Miles Turner would ever share the court together because I don't mm-hmm. see them as some – either guys are switchable. And so if you're not switchable at, like, at all, how are you going to you know play the four and five? You know, I know there's just numbers and just positions, but it's it's important when you're thinking about trying to win a playoff series. And so yeah. I I agree with you, Elkin, that this pick is does not instill a lot of confidence. I get that it was the, he might have been the best player available, but that to me there was guys who fit the timeline, who fit the team much much better, and those guys would have been a Nasir Little. Those guys yeah. would have been a, in all honesty, a Matisse Thibault, a guy who could have played great defense from day one. And like and this is probably getting to the stretch portion of this, but Dylan Windler as well, I think another guy who could have been an attractive piece, playing the three, replacing Boyan if he leaves in free agency. You know, he's the three, TJ Warren's the four for small ball lineups. I, I like where that could have went. And even a Kelvin Johnson out of Kentucky, like a, a guy who's going to come in and be a good defender at 6'6", young player, like same age as, as Goga, but just a little bit more variety in terms of what, what they bring to the table. And I think that's what your frustration is too, is there's no yeah. there's a lot of variety with this Pacers team. They might have the best – if he comes over this year, they might have the best front court rotation in the NBA in terms of rotating centers. But do you really need three – you know, positive value centers. I would argue no. But if there's anything that Joel Embiid experiment taught us with how bad they were when he didn't play, maybe that's where your glimmer of hope can come from. Is that no. the Sixers were so bad without Joel Embiid on the floor. The oh, Pacers yeah. should have that kind of drop off between um, Sabonis, Turner, and uh, Goga. Yeah, and I, I think what my other concern is too, like what are we going to do with – you have Victor Ladipo going out for the first few months. And even when he comes back in December, January, and projected, you know that really it's not going to be until the following season where you're going to get Victor Ladipo. And you got to get back. You're used to it. And then we're hearing that we drafted the way we did. I mean, we gave away, we traded away all second round picks for this draft. And then at the end of the day, they were like, we're looking forward to free agency. And Ethan, right now in Pacerland, the Pacers fans are. Not too happy. That's all I can say. Gotcha. Well, I think we've we finished up the, mm-hmm. the what we like and what we question. Um, what I'd like to do now is some, similar to what me and Richard did pre-draft mm-hmm. and talk about picks that we're just happy about where they landed. And okay. I already kind of did that example with Nasir Little as he was the only Portland pick of the draft. But I'm going to kick this off with I real, I'm really happy that Grant Williams ended up being the Celtic. Hmm. Um, I think for his career to flourish, he needs a coach that, you know, has shown willingness to try a bunch of different things to put people in their best situations. And Grant Williams, I think, playing in the front court with whoever the center of the Celtics is to be, he'll have some playmaking opportunities, especially if there's not a like a, a high, um, highly known lead point guard. Um, he'll have some opportunities to create in the half court. I think that could stimulate 
Jason Tatum's ability to score on multiple levels, and I think Jalen Brown also as a as a cutter. Mm-hmm. I think Grant Williams can help. So I'm I'm very happy that Grant Williams is a Celtic. Mm. Yeah. I see where you're coming from on that one. I was a little at first I was trying to I was trying to think when he got picked. I was like, all right, what does he bring? What does he bring? I remember while I watched a lot of him in college, more of an undersized front court guy, but you're right though on that front, the more I think about it, what he brings to the Celtics. Especially with Al Horford leaving. Al Horford is an important yeah. playmaker for them. They're going to need to replace the center position because Baines is gone. Horford's gone. Robert Williams, um, I'm not sure he is going to be able to show up. And, yes, that's a joke. But, seriously, he um, he's an interesting cat in terms of how he plays. He's got a lot of potential, but he hasn't he hasn't uh, put it all together just yet. Um, and I think uh, kind of like – Kind of like players we liked, you you alluded to this guy. I think Keldon Johnson going to the Spurs, mm. that for me is a – he's a guy where it ended up in the right place. I felt like if you're going to end up and slide down there, that was a good place for him to end up. And I especially like what he can bring kind of with that guard death. And I don't know how their guard death is going to look like this upcoming season, but for me overall, I like how they got him at that position and they got him in that pick. Yep. I, I agree with that as well. I think it's a uh, it's a good pick because he's he is you know a small forward two guard kind of guy. He's going to mm-hmm. try hard on defense, so you, you imagine he's going to get playing time quickly from Pop, assuming uh, Pop thinks he's ready to compete defensively on the NBA level. And you know he, he didn't shoot a super high percentage at Kentucky. He shot thirty eight percent from three, which we're keep in mind that is a college three. He shot seventy percent from the free throw line. Yeah. I would I would think that he would have shown enough and that he is good enough to play year one, and I, I hope to see that. Um, my next guy is Eric Pascal going to the Warriors. Um, I was a fan of his. Like, you know, I watched him play a lot at Villanova because Xavier and Villanova have played a lot being in the same conference. And I think he's the kind of guy that needed to go to a team that moves the ball well, that's going to get him wide open shots. I think he has the – ability to knock him down um especially and all the way out to three and you know i've seen some people say it's stupidly draymond green stuff because he does have the kind of a body type you know a little thick like a little bit of extra long arms uh for his size um but here's the thing guys he is anthony Tolliver with like the heart of a champion you know and i'm not saying anthony Tolliver doesn't have have it but um, Eric Pascal is part of an important part of Villanova championships. And with that in mind, like that's why I say it that way is that he, he's going to be a good shooter, a, a decent defender. Um, so he's Anthony Tolliver with the, the championship pedigree. Maybe that's the way I should phrase it. So I'm not attacking Anthony Tolliver's heart. <laughs> I think you're good. I think you're good. But he went to that. Creighton. So I don't feel so bad about it. Is there any right other picks? Now- Right now, I don't have any other picks. I'm just like, I'm happy for that. Like, I'm happy that was the position the person landed at, the guy landed at. All right. I'm doing a quick scroll. I am kind of happy for Romeo to be a Celtic, too, especially if there's a vacancy in the guard, in the backcourt positions. Um, the pick I'm most mad about is that the Heat didn't draft, when they drafted Bull Bull, um, I wish they would have kept that pick and drafted Taylor Horton Tucker because I like him because that bowling ball with arms. Um, I think, I think would have made sense alongside some of the uh, interesting athletes that he have. So 
I was I was di- I was disappointed that we did not that he did not retain forty four and draft Taylor Horton Tucker. But if you know if they had to recoup the cash and a pick from the uh, getting Casey Apollo, another pick I do like because I think I think he's uh, going to be a good athlete. He's a smart kid, so I trust him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Happy with that pick, but that there's my heat moment. I hadn't had one yet. And I mean, if you want to get speaking of heat moment, thoughts on the heats. Tyler Hero pick just quick few seconds on that. I I like him because if we're looking at Justice Winslow advancing as a point guard, he's gonna Winslow's still gonna guard the most threes. Uh Richardson gonna guard the best other guard. Tyler Hero is gonna be hidden on whoever the other guard is, and hopefully that guard can't just dominate him off the dribble. But Tyler's gonna be able to shoot. He's got a good name. He's got that um I hate the word swag, but he's got that. And if <laughs> if now, if the Heat need a guy who's not scared to take a, a jumper at the end of a game, Tower Hero is going to be that guy. Whereas Josh Richardson kind of sometimes chokes in those situations, gets in his own head a little bit. We won't. I don't think Tower Hero is going to do that. I don't know if he has enough enough space in that head to to, to get in his own head about. <laughs> but I think it'll be a good thing for him. I think he, I think he's going to perform well. I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Probably won't be. But I think this is the kind of guy who you're going to see perform at a high level for years to come just not probably an all-star not a hall of famer just just a notch below that which is what the entire heat roster is at the moment fair enough yeah with that in mind though there you go guys everybody everybody had your fun i got my heat talk in yep Oh, okay. I hope you, I wish the Pacers luck in free agency, and I can do that because the Heat have no cap space, so there's no one for us to get that you guys could want. Also true. And with that, we out. <laughs>